2 Kings chapter 3. I wanted to go over something really quick. In the last chapter, Elisha had asked to have a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. I had previously told you that Elijah had nine miracles and Elisha had 18 miracles. So it was a double portion. However, it just depends on how you count the miracles. Some people count it a certain way and they get Elijah having eight miracles and Elisha having 16. Some count it as Elijah had nine miracles and Elisha had 18 miracles. I found one website where they counted it as Elijah had 14 miracles and Elisha had 28 miracles. But no matter how you count it, whether you include the prophecies or not, or whether you kind of split up the miracles into segments or not, you're still going to get a double portion for Elisha every time, no matter how you count it. So I'm going to go with Elijah having 14 miracles and Elisha having 28 to include all of the prophecies. We read that with Elijah, some of the miracles were when he stopped the rain, when he made the oil and the flour last for the widow, when he brought the widow's son back to life. But really, God did all of these miracles, not Elijah, but God did all of these miracles through Elijah. Verse 1, Now Jehoram the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel in Samaria in the eighteenth year of Jehoshaphat king of Judah, and reigned twelve years. Ahab already had one son die, Ahaziah, and now Jehoram is reigning, and God had said that Ahab's kingdom would be cut off. So this is his second son that's reigning. His kingdom is still going to get cut off because God said so, but I'm surprised that God let a second son of his reign on the throne. 12. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and like his mother, for he put away the pillar of Baal that his father had made. So he's a little bit less evil than Ahab was because he got rid of the Baal worship, but he's still worshiping Ashtoreth and probably Moloch and other gods. 3. Nevertheless, he cleaved unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, wherewith he made Israel to sin. He departed not therefrom. He's still causing a lot of sin in Israel. 4. Now Mesha king of Moab was a sheep master, and he rendered unto the king of Israel the wool of a hundred thousand lambs and of a hundred thousand rams. This means every year he sold Israel, or he gave a tax to Israel, of the wool from a hundred thousand lambs and a hundred thousand rams, so that they could make clothing. 5. But it came to pass when Ahab was dead that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. He didn't want to give Israel that wool anymore. 6. And king Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel to fight him. 7. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab hath rebelled against me. Wilt thou go with me against Moab to battle? And he said, I will go up, for as thou art my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. The king of Judah and the king of Israel are going to fight together against the king of Moab for this bounty of wool that the Moabites are now refusing to give the Israelites. 8. And he said, Which way shall we go up? And he answered, The way of the wilderness of Edom. The king of Israel asked the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, which way should we go to meet the Moabites to fight them? And the king of Judah says, let's go up through the wilderness of Edom, and then we'll surprise them on that side. 9. So the king of Israel went, and the king of Judah, and the king of Edom, and they made a circuit of seven days' journey, and there was no water for the host, meaning the army, nor for the beasts that followed them. 
They had to bring cattle with them for food so that they could kill and eat whenever they were hungry. There was no water for the army or the cattle. And they have the Edomites, who are their cousins, going with them to battle against the Moabites, who are also their cousins, but they're angry at the Moabites right now. 10. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. The king of Israel, who is Jehoram, is saying, God wants us to die because he's taken our water away battle. He wants us to be so faint that the Moabites kill us. 11. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? Jehoshaphat is saying, Instead of assuming that God is against us, let's ask God. And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Elisha the son of Shephat is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah, meaning that Elisha was Elijah's servant. He has Elijah's same spirit and same ministry. 12. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him, meaning they went to go visit Elisha. 13. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. Elisha is insulting the king of Israel, saying, Why are you asking me to give you a word from the Lord? Because you don't serve the Lord. You serve pagan gods. So why don't you go and ask your pagan gods? And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. The king of Israel is insulting the Lord, saying, Oh, you don't want to tell me because God has already decided to kill all of us Israelites. He's insulting the Lord to force Elisha to give him a prophecy to make the Lord's name good again. 14. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. Elisha is telling the king of Israel, If it weren't for the king of Judah being here, I wouldn't even look in your direction. I wouldn't even look at you. But I'm going to speak because the king of Judah is here and he does serve the true God. 15. But now bring me a minstrel. That means a musician. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. 16. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of trenches. This is the second time in the Bible where music was used to bring about prophecy and miracles. The first time was during King David's reign. Actually, it's the third time, because every time David played the harp, then the evil spirit would leave Saul. But then there was another time where they played music to get a miracle from the Lord. Now, Elisha has commanded that music be played so that he could get a prophecy from the Lord. And when the music was played, which is obviously worship music, it's music for God, that the prophecy did come from the Lord. And he said, fill the valley with trenches where the battle is supposed to be fought. 17. For thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, and ye shall drink, both ye and your cattle and your beasts. Remember, they are very thirsty. They want to go to battle against the Moabites, but they ran out of water. Elisha is telling them, dig trenches, and the water will appear in the trenches. 18. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Elisha is saying, you're also going to win the battle against the Moabites. And it's a light thing, meaning it's easy for the Lord to cause you to win this battle and to give you the water out of nowhere. 
we need to remember that because if it was easy for the Lord to cause the Israelites to win a battle against the Moabites and for water to appear out of nowhere just because they dug holes, then it's easy for the Lord to do anything that we ask. If we need healing, deliverance, forgiveness, if we need protection from our enemies, if we need a new personality from God because some of our personalities are really messed up from years of abuse or years of sin and we've lost character. If we need character from the Lord, if we need patience or long-suffering or wisdom, it's a light thing for the Lord to give you a miracle. Just believe. Trust Him completely and believe. That doesn't mean your life is going to be easy, but He will answer our prayer. Sometimes it's in His own time, but He will do it. And sometimes He will answer in a way that we didn't ask Him to. So for instance, you might ask God for a husband, and instead of giving you a husband, he gives you a task to do that he wants you to complete for his glory that will win people into his kingdom. So you won't always get what you want, but if you love the Lord, he will bless you greatly. 19. And ye shall smite every fortified city and every choice city, and shall fell every good tree, and stop all fountains of water, and mar every good piece of land with stones. God is instructing them to destroy the land of the Moabites. They have to sabotage the land so that it can't be used. So they're going to put rocks in the wells so that people can't draw water. They're going to chop all the trees so that nobody can build. What God wants is he wants the Moabites to evacuate. And that's why he's telling the Israelites that you need to make the cities unlivable so that the Moabites have to evacuate. He's not telling them to kill the Moabites. He's telling them to destroy their cities. He's being merciful to the Moabites because he's allowing them to live. But Israel is going to take those cities over and then they'll rebuild them. 20. And it came to pass in the morning, about the time of making the offering, that behold, there came water by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. A flood came in from the land of Edom, which is where they had been walking from, and filled all of those trenches up. 21. Now when all the Moabites heard that the kings were come up to fight against them, they gathered themselves together, all that were able to put on armor and upward, and stood on the border, even the young men who had never fought before. They all gathered against the Israelites to fight, and they stood on their own border, waiting for the Israelites. 22. And they rose up early in the morning. The Moabites woke up, and the sun shone upon the water, and the Moabites saw the water some way off as red as blood. All these pools of water are now as red as blood because the red morning sun is reflecting on the water. The Moabites look at it and they think they're seeing pools of blood. 23 And they said, This is blood. The kings have surely fought together, and they have smitten each man his fellow. Now therefore, Moab, to the spoil, that the king of Judah, the king of Israel, and the king of Edom all fought each other and killed each other off. And now the Moabites can just pounce on the spoil and take advantage of the fact that those three killed each other in their own private battle. They think that there's a bunch of dead bodies out there and they can just go and take whatever they can find from the camps. Water hadn't been there before, so that's why they don't realize it's water. 
they think it has to be blood because water didn't exist there before until God made this miracle. 24. And when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and smote the Moabites so that they fled before them and they smote the land, even Moab mightily. The Moabites went down to spoil, thinking that all of the Israelites are dead, and the Israelites were actually alive, and they came out of their tents and killed the Moabites. They were just sleeping in their tents. 25. And they beat down the cities, and on every good piece of land they cast every man his stone and filled it. They filled the fields and the wells with stones so that the Moabites wouldn't have crops, wouldn't have water, they'd have to evacuate. And they stopped all the fountains of water and felled all the good trees until there was left only Kir Hariseth with the stones of the wall thereof. So the slingers encompassed it and smote it. There was only one city left named Kir Hariseth because it had a tall wall. Therefore, the Israelites used people who had big slingshots and they slung projectiles over the wall and killed the people. 26. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too sore for him, he took with him 700 men that drew sword and break through unto the king of Edom, but they could not. The Moabite king took 700 swordsmen, but they still couldn't win the battle. 27. Then he took his eldest son that should have reigned in his stead and offered him for a burnt offering upon the wall. This is what pagans do. They kill their children as sacrifices. He's so desperate to win this battle that he sacrificed his son to a pagan god, hoping that the god would allow him to win. And there came great wrath upon Israel, and they departed from him and returned to their own land. This seems really weird because it says that great wrath came on Israel and they retreated in battle, but it wasn't the Israelites who offered their son to a pagan god, it was the Moabite king who did it. But one of two things, either they retreated because they felt responsible for that, or it could be that they actually believed that the Moabite god would answer the king of Moab, because they have been practicing paganism for a very long time. So this is evil on the Israelites' part to retreat. But anyway, that's what they did. The only other explanation is that they were so sick at heart because the Moabite king sacrificed his own son that they retreated sick of heart that the Moabite king had committed such an evil, heinous act because they were winning and they didn't want him to do anything else more heinous. And that's why they left. And that concludes Second Kings chapter 3.